This morning I'll be preaching from the book of Jonah, chapter 3. Jonah, chapter 3. And I'll be reading verses 1 to 10, a short chapter. Jonah, chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed the fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if the Lord of God rather will turn and repent? And turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the privilege that we have as well to worship you. Dear Lord, we thank you for how you have moved thus far in this service. I pray that each and every heart has been prepared to receive the seed of your word. And I pray that this seed would take root and bear fruit. I pray that you would remove from us any distraction, anything that would hinder the mighty working of your Holy Spirit. And that each and every person would be receptive to what thus saith the Lord. Dear Lord, we honor you and give you praise and glory for who you are and for what you have done. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray, dear Lord, as your word goes forth, that you would use me in a mighty way. Cleanse me of sin and to me of self. Fill me with the precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what you have for me to say today. And will be able to praise you and thank you. Save some lost soul. Stir the hearts of every believer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. A number of years ago, my family and I, we were on our way to a dramatic musical production. The drive to get to the destination was not a short one. In fact, with even good traffic, it would take about two hours. So we left home with what I felt would be adequate time to get there and to be on time. The journey was 
quite uneventful at first. And we were making good progress for the first hour until I noticed a detour sign. Now, the directions that I had gotten from the GPS did not account for any detours. And so for some inexplicable reason, I ignored the detour sign and somehow figured that they were not valid. It was a Saturday morning, and I said, well, maybe the workmen from the day before forgot to take them down. As I journeyed on, I passed additional signs, and I continued to ignore them until eventually I had to turn around and find an alternate route to get to the show because we had hit and reached a dead end. By the time we got to the destination, we had missed the start time of the show and had to wait two and a half hours for the next show to begin. A failure to adhere to the signs and the warnings to change course led to a waste of time, of money, of effort, and left me with much regret. Life itself can be likened to a journey. It is one where you and I, due to our sin nature and our human inadequacies, we need direction to stay on the right path. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Simply put, we have a tendency to stray. We have a tendency to go the wrong way. But in addition to this, we also have another tendency, and that is to want to do our own thing. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2 points this out, and it says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weareth the spirits. So you think about these two problems that the, the Bible itself is indicating very clearly that we have. We have a tendency to wander. Wander, rather. We are prone to stray. And in addition to that, we have a tendency to want to do our own thing. These two character flaws of mankind ultimately lead to an inevitable path to destruction. But I thank God that I can testify along with many others that along the road of life that God in his mercy and God in his grace has held up some warning signs, some detour signs along the way, some flashing lights that said, uh, my friend, uh, my child, turn around, detour Ahead, these changes in direction came about through the proclamation of the word of God. Thank God for the preaching 
of his word. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I can personally testify today that were it not for the word of God, I would not be standing here today. And one of the regrets I have in life, and I have many, they're all linked to not having adhered to the word when the message was clear. I want to preach a message this morning entitled, The Proper Attitude to Preaching. The Proper Attitude to Preaching. Let me say this very, how do I put it? With a very concerning heart. With great consideration for people. That there is an alarmingly callous and rebellious attitude to the preaching of God's word. You say, Pastor, that sounds harsh. But let me tell you that when you look around at our world today, when you look at, at, at churches in general, there is an attitude, and even beyond, of course, if it exists in church, then you can imagine what it is outside the church, that there is an attitude that is destroying the lives of those who have a callous approach to the word of God. It is simply shocking during the preaching of the word of God the attention to phones while the word is being preached. Text messages sent and received while the word is being preached. Social media statuses being checked while the word is being preached. Websites being browsed while the word is being preached. Video games being played while the word is being preached. My friend, we are in trouble. We are in danger. It indicates a lack of understanding of the importance of preaching. It is troubling. It is frightening. Because the preaching of the word of God, my friend, it changes lives. It brings about a change. A change in direction from a path to destruction. In the book of Jonah, Chapter 3 in our text, I find a simple prescription, if you will, that demonstrates the power of preaching. And the power of preaching is experienced in a positive way in your life when your attitude to preaching is proper. 
But on the other hand, the power of preaching is experienced in a negative way when you're in your life, when your attitude to preaching is improper. You see, my friend, God's word will not return void. And sometimes when we hear that, we falsely conclude that it means that every heart that hears God's word is going to respond positively. That is not what that verse means. That is not what those words mean. What it ultimately means is that God's word will be exalted. It will be honored irrespective of your attitude. And what that means by that is that the consequences on our lives, whether good or bad, are linked to our attitude and approach to the preaching of God's word. God is simply saying, you will not make my word irrelevant just because you treat it like it is irrelevant. And so we want to see in Jonah chapter 3 this morning, what is the proper attitude to preaching? And what can the proper attitude to preaching produce in a life? Notice with me, first of all, it's very important that we understand that preaching and preaching that is honoring to God has a divine source. A divine source. Look at verse number one. It says, and the what? The word of who? Of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. This is God speaking. I hope we notice this morning and observe with me that as a result of this divine source of preaching, understand that the preaching of God's word is not based on man's opinion. As preacher of the word of God and as preachers, we are not to preach our opinion, but we are to preach the unadulterated word of God. In other words, when it comes to preaching, stick with the book. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 13 says, But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. You know, personally as a preacher, I find this liberating. Why? I don't have to make anything up. And you are not to make it up. That's why the apostle Paul says to Timothy in his closing words, uh, he says, preach the word. The word of God is not based on man's opinion. But notice secondly, The word of God, it is not presented as a suggestion. God does not give his word to us and say, well, if you want to do it, do it. And if you don't want to do it, don't do it. Either way, it's fine with me. 
Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21 says, This is the way, walk ye in it. Jesus speaking in John's gospel chapter 14 and verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. God makes it clear to us that his way, it is the right way, and it is the best way. Now, he does give us the ability to choose. But it is clear that his way ought to be the choice that you select. So the word of God, it is not presented as a suggestion. But notice with me thirdly, that the word of God, it is not changed by your reaction. We saw in the book of Jeremiah uh, uh, recently that King Jehoiakim placed the word in the fire, but it did not alter the word of God. Despite his disdain and disrespect for the word, the word of God abideth and endureth forever. After King Jehoiakim passed on, the word was still alive and well. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 to 25 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. You will not get the word off your hands. The word of God will not be irrelevant. Rejecting it will not change its significance. My friend, it's very important that we understand that the word of God has divine origin. It is a divine source. But notice with me secondly, the word of God is delivered by his servants. In Jonah chapter 3, notice with me, the Bible says in verse number 3, so Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. My friend, it's very important that we understand that in spite of the fact that the word of God is a divine source, that God uses the delivery of this word by his servants. God uses human instruments to deliver his word. Oftentimes, people then mistake this mode of delivery utilized by God to minimize the word of God. But the delivery by the servant does not change the divine nature of the source. Let me say that again. The delivery by the servant does not change the divine nature of the source. A number of years ago, when snail mail was more of a thing, and for those of you who don't know what snail mail is, 
snail mail is what we now call what we, those of us who grew up before the advent of email, mail by the postman and the post office and all the different, we call that now snail mail. No offense, Sister Carol. It just means that it takes a lot longer than would the click of a button and use of email. But back in the day when it was more customary to deliver messages by the mail, if you got a letter from the postman or the post lady, you don't say, the postman sent me a letter. What do you say? I got a letter from the sender. Am I right? Even though there would have been multiple people who handled that letter, it did not come from them, even though it was delivered by them. It is important to understand that the word is delivered by a servant, but the word is from the Lord. That's an awesome and sobering responsibility for the person delivering. But it ought to be delivered in a particular manner. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4 for us to understand the responsibility of a servant who's delivering such a very important message from a divine source. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. When the word of God is delivered by a servant, it ought to be delivered consistently. Amen? There are going to be some times when you're delivering this word and you're going to get smiles. And there are going to be other times when you deliver this word and you're going to get frowns. But you got to consistently deliver the word whether they are smiles or whether they are frowns. And I guess nowadays with all these masks, you don't know whether behind those masks a smile or a frown, but preach it nonetheless. Mask or no mask. A lot of people are hiding behind these masks these days. They say, thank God for these masks. They can't tell what my face looks like. Preach the word nonetheless. You got to preach it consistently. But you also got to preach it with humility. It says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. In other words, when you preach the word, you ought not to preach it with arrogance. No, preaching with conviction and arrogance are not the same. You ought to preach it with conviction because it ought to be what you believe and what you know to be true coming from a divine source. But you are to preach it with patience. 
recognizing that God is working even when you don't see it. God is moving in hearts. God is convicting hearts. God is speaking to hearts. And it requires an attitude of humility. Why? Because God also speaks to the heart of the servant delivering the word. And so it ought to be preached with humility. It ought to be preached consistently. But it ought to be preached with integrity. It says, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Which means that it must be delivered based on truth. A discerning child of God and a mature believer growing in the Lord ought to be able to discern truth from error. But there's a great responsibility placed on a servant delivering the precious word of God. That's why Paul, speaking to Timothy, his son in the faith, I'm, I'm coming, up and coming preacher as well. He says, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, 2 and 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My friend, there's a great responsibility for the deliverer of the word to preach what does set the Lord and to divide the word of truth the right way. To hear someone say, oh man, just preach, forget about doctrine. Forget about what doctrine is truth. How are you going to preach and forget about truth? Got to preach it with integrity. But you also have to preach it seriously. Look at verse number five. It says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. My friend, it's very important for us to understand that when it comes to the preaching of God's word, this thing is not a joke. I even feel convicted for calling it a thing. What I simply mean is the work of God and adhering to the word of God. This thing called preaching of God's word. A message that comes from a divine source. My friend, it is serious business. It's spiritual business. It deals with the heart of man. And as such, one who is delivering this word from a divine source, we must understand that you will face opposition when you endeavor to hear it. When you endeavor to respond positively to it. After all, this is spiritual warfare. When your phone keeps beeping, when the preaching of the word is happening, listen, the devil is using his agents to distract you from what he knows will change your life. Turn it off. 
will not die. But you might die because you did not adhere to what God was saying. After all, this is spiritual business. My friend, you are using the sword of the spirit. This is battle time. Don't expect when you pick up your sword that the enemy is going to just lay down and play dead. He's going to counterattack. He's going to seek to distract you from what's important. He's going to fight. But you got to fight with the word. We got too many people in churches going on like they're doctors. And even doctor not on 24 hour call. This is particular delivery by the servant. But here I want you to notice this is very important. This is very pivotal. As we look back at Jonah chapter 3, that based on the delivery by the servant, thank God that the people of Nineveh made a decision to submit. The Bible says in verse number 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. My friend, a decision to submit to the word of God must first begin with belief. When God delivers his word to us, he expects us to believe him, to take him at his word. My friend, when God speaks, let me ask you a very pointed question. Do you believe him? We're quick to say yes, but really consider and ponder. Do we truly believe what he's saying? You know what's What's the sure fireproof for whether you believe? Behavior. The people of Nineveh, because they believed, they responded to what God said. It says the people of Nineveh believed God. But there's a comma. Not a full stop. Even a full stop. It says and proclaimed a fast. And put on sackcloth from the greatest of them. Even to the least of them. Their belief affected their behavior. If these people continued in the same path, doing the same thing with no response, it would never be said that they believed God. That's why James chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. 
It's amazing. Do you know that the part of the Bible you truly believe is the part that you put into practice? And here's what's so very important. That in our decision to submit, that there's a realization that God is watching my response. Look at what these Ninevites said in verse number nine. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Now, if we say casually, we believe. Here's my next follow-up question. Is God convinced? If you truly believe and you're saying, oh, Pastor, you can't see my heart, and I'm not judging your heart because I truly can't say it. see it. I know not what's happening in there, and it's not about me. It's about, is God convinced that you believe what he said? God is saying, be faithful. Put me first. When you are faithful, I will bless you. Is God convinced that you're faithful? God says, accept me as your personal Lord and Savior. You say, oh, I believe. He says, follow me in believer's baptism. You say, oh, I believe, but God, I'm not doing that. God says, serve me with your whole heart. You say, I believe it's the right thing to do. But I'm not doing it. Is God convinced? These people, uh, listen, who are, who are pretty much look like a godless society said, who can tell if God will turn based on our actions? We don't even know what God will do. But let us convince him that our hearts are sincere. Because maybe he might just change his mind. We don't even know if he will. But God, I want to see from the depths of my heart that I'm sincere and that I believe with all my heart. God, you have to be convinced. Is God convinced that you believe? God, I believe in tithing. I believe in giving. Is God convinced that you believe? Notice finally, because of these Ninevites' decision to submit, there was a difference made in their situation. Look at verse number 10. And God saw their works. That's true. He saw their heart, but he saw their works. And they turned that they turned from their evil way. He saw a change of behavior. And God repented of 
the evil that he said that he would do unto them and he did it not as a result of their response to the preaching of the word of God I told you preaching is powerful that God changed his heart, his mind towards what he was going to do because of the response to preaching you want to tell me you're going to minimize preaching when God would change his mind based on your response to it wow I want us to understand that God does not change his character or his essence, but he changed how he responded to them based on their actions or actions in response to the word of God make a difference in how God deals with us. Here it is that God was about to destroy this people. And their response to preaching saved their city. We complain about our island. We complain about our nation. We complain about people. We complain about politicians. We complain about this. We complain about that. We complain about the church. But could it be that the reason why we are where we are is because of our inappropriate and improper response to preaching? Preaching saved a city. Preaching can save our island if the response to it is proper. What is it that you are refusing to save by having a stubborn response to the preaching of the word of God? What is it that's in your life that is not changing because regardless to what God says, you have made up your mind that I will not respond to God. Is it your marriage? Is it your finances? Is it your relationship with your children? Is it your job situation? Whatever it is, understand this. God honors his word. Is it your health? The response to what God said made a 180 degree change in a situation. I beg of each and every person, man, woman, boy, or girl, for your benefit, for your well being, for your success. For our success, for our families, for our community, 
for a nation, for a church, for a world, for ourselves individually. Let's respond positively, properly, with sincerity to what God says. It will save our lives. It will save our generation. And it will save and rescue generations to come. Let Shiloh Baptist Church be a place where the preaching of the word of God is preeminent. Let Shiloh Baptist Church be a place where the preaching of the word of God is taken seriously. And I promise you, on the authority of God's word, God will show up in this place in some miraculous ways that will blow our minds. But if we endeavor to continue with a callous, nonchalant, apathetic approach to preaching, we're in trouble. Nineveh was saved because of the proper attitude to preaching. What is your approach? What is your attitude? Check it. It has a lot to do with the direction of your life. Thank God for his word, for those warning signs, for those flashing lights. I thank God for it. If it were not, I would be over a cliff destroyed, wrecked. Sometimes it was so close to the edge, just only looking back, I didn't realize how close it was. But thank God for the word and for his mercy and grace in helping us to be on the right path where we can experience his blessings, his mercy, his grace, his love. Because this God... He's a good, good father.